Rapture, copyright Serenia Murthy, 2018, March 6th, 2016. Still, it's night now. We've been waiting and waiting to be rescued. It's been going on five hours. We're alternating between boredom and anxiety. I'm starting to recall the film 127 Hours, starring James Franco. Well, at least all our limbs are intact. For now. Tiana gets bits and pieces of news from her parents. The reason the rescue's taking so long is that the first responders can't just power drill their way through. That imbecile of a gunman put a bullet in a load-bearing wall. Way the Millers tell it, we're lucky to be alive. It makes me shudder thinking who else might not be. They've got to carefully pick the rubble apart without bringing the entire building crashing down on our heads. They're optimistic, but it's taking time. They're working patiently. We're waiting not so patiently. Tiana says she's hungry. I had a box of sun-made raisins in my pocket, so we shared that. It reminded me of how when we were little and went on road trips, Stevie, Allison, and I would fight over the boxes. Since we're in science class, we could theoretically make some candy. Miss Hemingway showed us how, but starting up a Bunsen burner didn't seem like the best course of action, given the circumstances. We just leaned against the wall and idly chatted. By some instinct, Alex and I were on either side of Tiana. I don't know why. I guess we felt it was important to take care of her or something. Both of them are asleep now. I don't know how long after that it was that I was woken by a fireman. When I saw him, I knew everything would be all right. They had cleared away the rubble. I shook Tiana awake and she woke Alex. We all stood there, blinking sleepily in the sharp flash of white light from their helmets. Is Miss Hemingway okay? I asked. She was just outside the door when it caved in. They said Miss Hemingway had sustained some injuries and so had some of the kids, but nothing life-threatening. What about the rest of the school? No casualties. Sweetest words in the English language. The gunman had been apprehended. He was a former student. Can we see our parents? Tiana demanded. The staff explained that since we had been in the science classroom with several broken bottles and spilled chemicals, they had to take us to the hospital so we could be tested and released. We couldn't be brought into contact with anyone else before then. I want to see mom, Tiana whimpered as we stumbled into some protective hazmat suits they had brought for us. We'll see her soon, Alex said comfortingly. She'll be at the hospital. I didn't know if my family would be at the hospital. I mean, how could they know where I was? They didn't even know I had been rescued. We went downstairs. It was dark and there were a lot of people far away behind the yellow cordon. I squinted at the crowd but couldn't recognize any faces before we were hustled along. There was a lot of noise and screaming as we got into the helicopter. It took us to the hospital. When we got there, I was separated from the Miller kids. The doctor examined me and eventually said I was free to leave once the release forms had been signed by a parent or guardian. He asked whether someone was coming to pick me up. I said I'd have to call home, most likely. As I left the examination room, I heard the joyful sounds of Miller's being reunited. I went to the waiting room, intending to call home from a payphone, if one still existed. But to my surprise, Dad was right there. We just looked at each other. I was still a little vexed about not having been able to call anyone the way Alex and Tiana had. He looked hugely relieved and a little angry. I couldn't imagine why. Don't expect me to say I'm glad to see you or anything, he informed me. Not gonna say I'm glad to see you either, I retorted. 
but we were both glad and we both knew it. Then Allison came running up, pushing Dad aside. Dad, you're the worst, she informed him without a trace of irony in her voice before flinging her arms around me and bursting into tears. Stevie followed suit and it was only then that I realized why Dad had looked mad. The girls, not to mention Mom, must have been giving him hell for the family's inability to contact me during a crisis. We eventually got through all the mushy stuff and wended our way home. Stevie and Allie couldn't get enough of me. They must have been really worried. They left Dad alone in the front seat and squashed into the back with me in the middle. They kept asking whether I was all right and if I was hungry. With Mom away and both of them mad at Dad, their maternal instincts had ratcheted up several notches. I wanted to talk to Mom. I opened my mouth to ask Dad but then remembered the no devices rule. Can you let Mom know I'm okay? I asked. It's done, he said. Well, okay then. When we got home, my first move was to head to the landline and call the Prendergast. Mrs. P. delightedly exclaimed that she knew her prayers would work and I believed her. She's one of the people God actually listens to. When I hung up, I found my sister staring at the flashing answering machine. It sure was a good thing I got home when I did. I was about to delete my voicemail without letting them hear it, but fate intervened. The front door opened and Mom entered. When she saw me, her entire face just lit up with joy and relief. She dumped her briefcase and jacket on the floor in just the manner she'd always cautioned us not to do and held out her arms with a smile as wide as Mrs. Prendergast. The very sight of her drove all thoughts of voicemails, answering machines, and everything else clean out of my mind. I flew into her arms and she went nuts over me, saying how glad she was that I was alive, how she'd been so worried, and was I sure I was all right? She looked me over, felt my limbs, and asked if I was hungry, same as the girls had done, all the while reassuring herself that I was okay. It was like we were the only two people in the world for a while there. Allison had hit the play button on the answering machine by now. I felt really self-conscious when I heard my voice fill the room because this is what it said. Hey family, it's Jason. You've probably heard about my school by now. I don't want to get all mushy, so I'm going to keep this brief. Mom, don't guilt yourself out. I had a good run. Mom hugged me all over again. Stevie, have an awesome wedding and a terrific marriage. Allie, fashion is lame and so are you. Allie laughed through her tears. She'd started crying the minute the message started playing. Dad, no hard feelings. Love you guys. Bye. Click. I couldn't get anywhere near the machine to delete the ridiculous voicemail before the girls had it recorded on their phones. With the declaration that they were going to play it at my own wedding for the benefit of my future wife, because it was fully five minutes before Dad would even let go of me. That night, I pasted a new sheet of paper over the periodic table. It had my family's cell phone numbers, as well as our landline, in big block writing. There was no way I was going to get caught out like that again. March 7th, 2016 Turns out you have to get up pretty early in the morning to put one over my old man. We were all convinced he'd have to give me back my devices, but he had an ace up his sleeve. Must be hereditary. This morning, he came downstairs and handed me something small. Here, he said. I examined the object. It was one of those before-there-were-smartphones cell phones. The kind with no alphanumeric keyboard, so you had to press each number key thrice to generate the full spectrum of letters. With a really small screen that didn't respond to swipes. 
Ah, a trip back to the first decade of the millennium. To what do I owe the pleasure? I asked him. Har har, he said. Let no one accuse me of depriving my offspring of the basic necessities of life. You can talk and text. That's it. I could see Allison mentally forming an argument that she had won the bet. It counts as a device, and Stevie mentally refuting it. He didn't get all his devices back. Thanks, I said, accepting the cell phone. Works for me. God, Dad, what did you have to do? Break into the Smithsonian? Stevie inquired. Hey, wise gal, don't go quitting your day job when you actually get one, Dad said. I already took enough flack from the guy at Verizon. We laughed at the image this conjured up. Who wants my new number? I asked. The girls and mom pulled out their cell phones so they could input it. Okay, go, Allison commanded. I was about to read it off the screen when I noticed Dad looking at me with a quizzical expression on his face. He didn't have his phone out. Hey, Dad, don't you want my new number? I asked him. He pinched my cheek with his knuckles, conveying a kind of affectionate exasperation. Already have it, he said, patting his shirt pocket. Yeah, I'd say we've all got your number, kid. Next week on Meet the McCords. It's kind of a domestic matter. Guess I don't have much of a poker face when my kids are in danger. Like he even cares about a routine security check. Piper would never do anything like that. You wouldn't happen to be hiding something from me now, would you? Tune in Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central for Episode 10, Reckoning.